Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Listeners, this episode is part one of our experiment to create the perfect B2B marketing campaign. Now, this campaign is to promote our demand generation marketing program, the B2B Incubator. Now, every great B2B marketing campaign starts with customer research. So we've got the best in the business, Ryan Gibson, to help us do it. So listen to this episode and by the end, you're going to be able to conduct customer interviews and research like a pro, just like Ryan. Now we explain everything about the campaign in the episode. It makes for great listening, but even better viewing as there's lots of visuals and resources that we share. So make sure you check out the B2B playbook on YouTube too. Okay, let's jump into the episode. If you put four of the best B2B marketers together, could you create the perfect B2B marketing campaign? That's what we're testing right here on the B2B Playbook with our campaign, How Much Money Can We Make Monica? Monica is a longtime listener of the B2B Playbook. We owe her $500 because she referred someone to our program, the B2B Incubator. But Monica refused to accept the $500 that we owed her just because she's too damn nice. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun to take that $500 that we owe her, reinvest it into a paid marketing campaign for the B2B Incubator for the first time and give her 20% of whatever sales we make from that campaign. So the question is, can we turn that $500 into something much, much bigger to give to Monica? To find out, we've got together four of the best experts to help us craft this perfect B2B campaign. They're helping us with customer research, our landing page and copywriting, 
running the LinkedIn ads, and how to track and report on it all through HubSpot. In this session with our first expert, Ryan Gibson, you're going to learn how to conduct customer interviews like a pro. You're also going to learn how to pinpoint your customers' anxieties and pains so you can then use them in your marketing. You're also going to learn how to use software to make the information collection and analysis process easier. Before we dive into this interview, I just want to thank our sponsors Dovetail for sponsoring this first part of the experiment. Ryan already used Dovetail to collect and analyze insights from customers and he refers to it as the Cadillac of customer insights platforms. So we thought, hey, we may as well reach out to them to sponsor this part of the experiment. Okay, so why are we starting with customer research? Any great campaign speaks to its customers' pain points and anxieties and deeply understands how its product solves these. The best way to collect these is through customer research. Now, Monica is not only a fan of the B2B playbook, but she's also a past customer of the B2B incubator. So she's the perfect person for us to speak to and get these insights from. Our customer research expert is Ryan Gibson. Now, Ryan is the founder of contentlift.io. He's absolutely the best at doing this. So we had to get him on board for this part of the experiment. Okay, you're about to see how Ryan formulates the perfect questions to ask Monica. You're then going to learn how to use software to make running the interview and its analysis as easy as possible. And finally, you're going to see Ryan analyze the interview and show me all the juicy insights from it that we can use for the rest of our campaign. We'll also link in a separate video the full interview between Monica and Ryan so you can see how Ryan the pro does it. Monica asks Ryan some great questions at the end about conducting customer interviews, so make sure you tune into it. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, because Ryan is the ultimate professional at this, he sent me a pre-interview doc, really just detailing the research objective. So whenever you go into a customer interview, you can't just want to talk about anything. There's got to be a particular objective to keep the interview focused so you can get the insights that you want in the limited amount of time that you have available. So in this circumstance, I explained to Ryan what we needed. So here the objective is speak to B2B marketing managers who are ICP and Monica is one of those to understand their reasons for joining the B2B incubator and their experience thus far to inform messaging and copy for future marketing campaigns. Okay, so that's clearly our research objective. Ryan then sent through the specific topics or themes to understand. So those themes were around Monica's roles and responsibilities, the pains and anxieties within those roles and responsibilities, and then start to try and understand how she discovered the incubator, why she chose it over other solutions, what her experience was like going through it. Were there any quick wins that she implemented from the learnings? And so that's what we wanted to understand because that's going to help inform a really good campaign for us. Onto the questions list. And these are the list of questions that Ryan was going to put to her. And he just checked with me that I was okay with these. So again, these questions really match the themes that we're exploring. So things around roles and responsibilities. So he asked her to walk me through your role. You know, what is your top priority? How do they get set? He talks about her pains and anxieties and tries to elicit that out of her. They talk about the triggers. So what was the trigger for actually coming to the B2B incubator? So he's trying to understand her role in the business before seeking external help. How did this problem impact business objectives? Why was there actually a need right now to do this? He helped us identify how Monica went and did her research. So how she tried to go about fixing this problem in other ways. We know that she came across the B2B playbook. So I want to understand, you know, how did she discover the B2B playbook? What made her start following our content? And then at the point where she was ready to reach out to us for help, 
Uh, when did she do this? And who else did she reach out to? So we know who our competitors are. Finally, he tries to understand how Monica evaluated our solution against others. What was it specifically about the B2B incubator that made her trust us? And then finally, to gather her experience so we can understand what her experience was actually like taking part of the B2B incubator. Did it align with her expectations? Has she implemented anything? Was it great? What could have gone better? All this information is super helpful for us to then inform our marketing campaign. So with that all approved, Ryan then went ahead and actually conducted the interview with Monica, expertly working his way through these questions. And you're going to be able to see the full version of this interview. Monica actually asked some really, really good questions about the interviewing process throughout. Uh, it's a little bit long, so I'm going to throw this in another video where you can go and explore it for yourself. Next, we're going to see how Ryan actually uses the platform Dovetail to record and transcribe and analyze this whole customer interview process so we can get to understand these key topics and themes and work them into our messaging for our campaign. I'm going to walk you through some software I use all the time in my work as a researcher. It's called Dovetail. And it is designed for qualitative researchers to help organize and highlight and make sense of all the great answers that you're getting from people in research interviews or other types of qualitative research. What's great about Dovetail is that it has AI transcription. You just hit transcribe and it'll do all that work for you. And it's pretty instant. When you get that transcribed, here is the one interview we did with B2B Playbook and Monica. I have a few fields filled out, research objective, her LinkedIn, when I spoke to with her in case anyone else is going to be looking at this. And then here is the transcript. And what's great is it's all tied to timestamps. You can see it highlighted as you move through the audio or video. And you can replay and, and re-listen as much as you want. What I've started to do now is highlight various parts for a specific tag. So you can see there's three highlights under her types of responsibilities that she has as a marketing manager. 16 highlights under the pains and anxieties tab. So a section of pains and anxieties. So these are answers that correspond to these sections. And I can highlight whatever I want. So I might think this answer is a great one. I can see, look at the various different tags that I've created. And I can just select one as needs be. Great. I think this one belongs in the evaluation section. So after I go through that part of it, my next step would be, okay, I can look at each tag if I want to all in one section. I can revisit them, reevaluate them go through them again. I can take all my highlights and move them around in various layouts like a mood board or a journey or a decision tree, what have you. Just as another way to think about the information in a very critical way or in a very insightful way that helps me make decisions about the business and my marketing and my sales. And finally, my favorite feature is insights where I can publish everything to share with all my peers and clients and leadership team. So this is a very straightforward example of what that might look like. I will have a research objective here. I have what we tried to understand in the interview. So they understand what the scope of the conversations were about, if there's more than one. And then all those various tags that I showed you, I've broken them out into key insights we've learned. So her role and responsibilities, and a pull quote that really emphasizes these specific things. And if I really want to nail down the point or really iterate why we've come to this conclusion. Here are two pieces of audio from the interview that people can see and listen 
uh, on their own and, and really understand why we came to that conclusion. And I've done this for every single tag that, and every part of the research objectives that we're trying to understand. And it's great because it really helps you socialize. It really helps people, those people, your colleagues who will be taking these insights and then creating marketing and sales assets from them really helps them internalize like what's important, what do you really need to focus on? And that's Dovetail, very straightforward way to use it and how I use it in my work as a qualitative researcher. Okay, that's how you can use Dovetail to really help you with your interviews. Now let's dive into the juicy insights that Ryan has put together from the interview with Monica. Ryan, thank you so much for uh, sending this document together. I see you've compiled all the insights from the interview with Monica. Uh, I've only had a really super quick look at it. Tell me more about it. Well, first, thank you for letting me do it. I should say that. Um, <laughs> and because I love this stuff and it's like my, what I like to think is my superpower. We'll see. <laughs> well, I can get everyone else uh, set up for success. So this is how I typically approach a research project um, for a buyer journey investigation. What you're looking at is what someone might see in Dovetail on their end without all the bells and whistles of the software itself. I'm just showing you exactly what a colleague or a client might see. And what, how I try to frame this for people, because for the most part, like yourself, they're looking at these things for the first time. Uh, they might not have a lot of context. They might not have a lot of background about why this was done in the first place and what, what we were trying to get at in the, uh, during our conversations and during the research. So the first thing I have is the research objective that you brought to me, which is we want to understand from marketing managers, but we have a sample size of one with Monica. Typically, you would have a sample size of around seven, but just for this exercise, we should be okay. You know, why did she want to join the B2B playbook and the incubator her experience, and then taking all that to inform, okay, this is how we're going to talk about the incubator and about what you do and why and how we can sort of influence people's decision-making towards you and, and build trust and credibility. Sounds good. We break, yeah, and then we break that down into, these are the subtopics of that research objective because I'm a big fan of breaking things into sort of chapters of a book, if you will, George. And we look at, okay, what are her roles and responsibilities? So what are the things that she actually does? Because you want to find the patterns of what these marketing managers are on the hook for. Like, what do they actually do at the end of the day? And how do they, you know, what are their priorities? Where do they, where do they lay? And where do they prioritize their time? Pains and anxieties, I describe as either uh, blockers to those priorities they have or fears that around them not getting them done or completed to the standard that they might want to get them completed or if they can't meet KPIs or OKRs or whatever metric you're using for gauging success. And then I also want to understand what triggered the search. Sometimes that can be very specific. Sometimes that can be a culmination of these pains and anxieties, but we, we sort of want to try and maybe isolate that a little bit. How they discovered you, um, why they chose your service over other th anything else they can do, right? And usually when you have a larger sample size, you'll have a better sense of this because people will solve problems in different ways, right? They might DIY, trying to figure it out. They might've hired someone for one-on-one -on -one coaching, might've hired a person in-house to try and do this and didn't work out, well, why, right? So, you know, those are the things we'll try to understand. Then her experience and any quick wins that she was able to implement. All right, folks, quick breather here. 
In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. You sent so, that list through to me before we conducted the interview and I found it so helpful because I felt like we were really aligned then between researcher and as the person who needed that research done, like exactly yeah. what we were going to find out. So I found that super, super useful. So you've pulled out some highlights here for us. I have. So how I then typically do this in my work is it all sort of falls in order, right? So the first one is roles and responsibilities, which is the first topic we understand at a very research objective, right? Because it's all sort of flows in that in a, in a way that we want, I want to show that evolution of what we're learning. So what we first learned was Monica is the marketing manager at Ed Start. That's, it's, that's nothing novel. You know that already. What we learned was she has a marketing team of five. She's two junior roles. And I have a nice, wonderful spelling mistake because I'm a researcher, <laughs> not, you know, a great marketer. She reports into the head of marketing. So that was interesting for me to understand that because sometimes you are the people who person who's driving strategy, which is where her role was, she was actually not leading marketing in an overall capacity, which I found really fascinating. She mm -hmm. was actually part of the marketing team, but one of the only ones that was really focusing on the strategic objectives of the organization. No direct reports, right? So she felt like she was, she was almost, um, she collaborated with the team, but she had no one that she could actually assign work to. And she was constantly trying to communicate and try and, explain to her team writ large the benefits of what you were bringing um like that strategic approach in b2b marketing like why you do the things you do and the choices you make she was having to educate her own team about that which i thought was pretty fascinating um her core focus was driving pipeline revenue strategically and tactically so she's a lot of times the teams you have a mix of someone who is driving strategy and assigning the tactics out she was juggling both right? Which sometimes happens more commonly in a team of one. But uh, again, she had other people she was working with, but not focused on sharing her responsibilities. Now, what I often do in my work, I'll often pull out like, I'll take a pull quote, right? Um, or some type of some part of the research, because I get everything transcribed through Dovetail. And this helps really nail down what they do and the core of their responsibilities or whatever that topic that they're talking about. So for Monica, one day I could be writing email copy. The next day I could be looking into our CRM, trying to do some kind of pipeline anal analysis interspersed with social media posts, covering the spectrum of strategy execution. So I'm using her words. We call this voice of the customer work traditionally in research, where we're pulling out what they're saying verbatim to emphasize you know, why we're making this point in the research. And if you really wanted to go further, I have these two quotes where I can just click on it 
be a jack of all trades. I don't know so if you can hear this. But writing, she's going through copy. Um, um, the next day, I could about, be like looking her, into our CRM and trying to do line, some kind of pipeline analysis. One of the questions asked her, this um, would be the answer. This gives you a really sense of like what she does, who she, who she is, what she does, and what she's on the hook for. Sorry, you wanted to say something. Yeah, no, I was just saying like that was so useful. First of all, like understanding in terms of her role and responsibility, who else is involved. I didn't realize that she'd be reporting to the head of marketing. So for me, that's another person in the buying committee that I really need to consider. This is someone that I have to win over if Monica is going to go ahead with the product. It's someone that she has to convince that the BDB incubator will help them. Uh, and then in terms of her being a jack of all trades, um, that's something that I suspected just because I stay really close to the marketers through the B2B playbook that we serve. Like I know that they're a jack of all trades, but it's so good to have that confirmed again through this research and then to actually have the direct quotes there and use the voice of the customer. So then, you know, when I speak back to them, I can use those words. And I find when I do that, they resonate so much more deeply. Yeah. And just to, if I may, just to sort of, before we go on, just to extrapolate the example, <clears throat> say, you you thought after with a, a larger sample size, a key thing for you to um, close deals and get business was to arm Monica with the knowledge of how to educate B2B marketing best practices to her colleagues, right? Like, let's just say that was a thing that we, of the sample size we had, say it was seven, six out of seven said something to that effect. Now you could say, okay, now I have the evidence I need to go to my content creator or to say to my other colleagues, okay, this is a campaign we need to invest in over the course of next quarter because it's a key thing in their decision-making process, like where they're building trust with the team and so on, right? I'm just on a lark. I'm just throwing that out there. But that's how I, I think of these things is that you start to see where you spend your time or where you should spend your time as a marketer rather than randomly guessing. So that's, the, that's why I really love this stuff. Awesome. Um, awesome insights. Thank you. Pains and anxieties. So these are the things that Monica said, this sucks. It's hard. I'm, I'm worried. I'm concerned. What have you, right? There's a lot of subtext. There's a lot of work as a researcher where you're digging through subtext. And that's the beauty of, of doing this across multiple people is you start to see they might use different words, but the concern they're expressing is the same. So that's where you start to see like it really takes shape around like what you need to focus on. With Monica, she said a lack of foundational go-to-market strategies really prevents the team from making informed choices of those resources. I just said that, right? Like that's such a common one in marketing where you can do everything, but why should you do this? Lack of time to build a go-to-market strategy due to the time commitment. It gets deprioritized. So what was interesting was um, when you really look at what she was talking about, she wanted almost like a go-to-market strategy in a box. You know, she wanted yeah, something yeah. that was like a turnkey. I can plug it in and I can start to look and gauge success and measure success and then tweak from that initial sort of turnkey strategy because she didn't have time because she was doing, as we saw, that balance of strategy and execution. Her team didn't get why she was doing a lot of this. So that was a big pain for her. There was no one experience that focused on strategic development of the business. There's no framework that she had. So she had no benchmark. She had nothing uh, to sort of compare it and contrast against. And one of the big ones, and this is in a lot of disciplines, there's too much context switching between tasks. And when you're a team of one, that's it is typically a big pain because you're trying to, again, to 
do things while you try to understand what things you should be doing, right? Am I doing the right things? And she has this whole quote here, when you're a marketing team that's small, you have to execute and build a foundation at the same time. It's like trying to change a tire of a moving car. There is an ad, like right there. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can absolutely see that in ads that we'll be, we'll be running. When we take this to Justin Rowe, I can 100% see that being yeah. there. Maybe he'll, he'll decide different. He's the expert there. But when I see that, like that's such a powerful statement because it gets to the core of that pain she's feeling, right? Yeah, she has so much to do in her day-to-day job that she just doesn't get that opportunity to take a step back and to organize something that's more strategic, a more strategic approach. And it's so good to hear these pains and anxieties from her firsthand to confirm all that and to really get that real insight into what her day-to-day looks like. I didn't realize that there'd be other juniors in her team. Like, it's hard enough trying to explain like a proper go-to-market strategy to one person, but to do that to a small team who are just so bogged down in execution, that's a challenge in and of itself and one Mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Here's some more pull quotes if you wanted to go through it. I'm sure you looked at maybe some of them that really, again, sort of highlight what she's feeling. And these could be things that, again, you pull in your social proof, you pull in your ads, um, you know, as you're building a landing page, you know, and really when we talk about trust and building credibility, you mirroring these pains to other marketers is where they're really going to show like, oh, George gets it. Like they get it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they see me when all, you know, I talk to about a hundred, 150 buyers a year. And one of the core things that their evaluations are based on, whether it's like that low intent, they're just sort of kicking the tires around digitally, or they're in a demo call with you or some type of discovery call. Do you understand me? Do you get me? Yeah. Like that is paramount. Yeah. So these are the types of things that help you get them and understand them. Yeah. What's that saying about great copy makes people feel understood? Yeah. Makes you feel like you really get them. So uh, research understands uh, the process of seeking out solutions and how buyers build a preliminary list of options. Great insights for informing marketing programs and tactics. So the research is really like, what does marketing do? Like, where should you focus? Or how did they actually find you? What was the process of that? Now, again, we had one sample size here. So when you start to build that out more across uh, more and more buyers and customers, that'll grow and then expand. But for Monica, she followed you on, on LinkedIn she began listening to your podcast pretty soon after that. And then just really consumed your content over the course of time. That's normal. It's, it wasn't sort of, she saw you and hopped on a call with you and then signed up for whatever you had that day. That's not how it worked for her. Cause that's not how it works for most people. She needed to understand, you know, did you know what you're talking about or do your philosophies align with mine? What have you? So she did that over the course of time. This was really interesting. Most people who watches will probably know Refine Labs if they're on LinkedIn a lot, uh, a team that's well-known. Um, she compared you against them, right, as an option, which that was might have been a surprise to you. Yeah. Uh, maybe it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, it definitely was, yeah. And, yeah. you know, when I do this in my own work, I, I'm surprised at who people talk to compared to me. And I'm like, you talk to that person? People that have substantial followings and have written five or six books around like customer research and I'm like what but that has to fit with what their uh their needs are as well 
right? Because not everyone's going to make sense. I liked, I really like to dig in into, okay, tell me what you cared about beyond the buzzwords they have on their landing page and what they think you want to hear. What is it that you want to hear? What do you, what are you looking for? What do you think is, is a bunch of BS? Think questions like that, because what happens is you, you start to filter out the fluff versus what is the most important to communicate, because you can have a landing page that goes on forever. You're only just going to spend so much energy around evaluating you. It's going to be pretty quick, to be honest, at that point. And they probably made up most of their mind. So what are they looking for specifically at that point? Mm. Um, and you can see one of the concerns she had that she talked about, the maturity of the program, because it had not been around for, uh, I think it had been early days, or I think you maybe you were even just launched it. I can't recall, George. You'd have to correct me there. But yeah, you know, yeah, that... I think it was, uh, yeah, definitely early days. It was like our second or third launch. Yeah. And anyone who's been in SaaS for years will recognize that uh, if they've been a startup because that objection exists in B2B in common ways, right? Like that early early stage, early to market. Are you going to be around for the long haul? Do I have a business partner that can be around for the next three months, three years, four years? Because I'm going to be growing, hopefully, and I hope they can grow with me, right? Like there's all these things that people think about at that part of it, right? They're going to be evaluating whether you're the next choice for them. And then you can see her quote here. In my mind, I thought if I had ever had a chance to work with George or do his course, I'll take it up uh, right away. Uh, even though um, whatever team I'm working with to actually execute something and just not be scrambling, even though I kind of knew what I wanted to do. And that was what's really interesting, I thought. It was a big revelation. And I got to that around, like, if you go, people will go watch the interview, it was around, like, the 30-minute mark. Maybe later I asked her, you've been doing this for a while. You've been on LinkedIn for years, more or less I'm paraphrasing what I asked her. Why not just try and do this yourself? Yeah. And that's a key one for you because you're a service where you're helping push them through all these milestones. And then she talked about that, right? Like, well, yeah, well, because here's why, right? And that is it. That's sort of one of your core value propositions, right? So this part is, I think, was really great. It validates what you're doing around like how you're, you're part of your go-to-market strategy but gives you insights into like, okay, well, what can I improve upon? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Like this part is so juicy because it basically confirmed that our go-to-market strategy, which has been like it's something that we've literally stuck to for 18 months, is like properly working. Like this is the path to purchase that we imagined. I'm sure there's, you know, other touch points there that we haven't quite considered that Monica's gone on, but like the, the bones are there and that's what she followed. And I think even down to something that I really like that you said was, uh, you ask when she got to the website, like people just glance through it, right? They've mostly made up their mind. What is the key thing that they're looking for? And she said that she went to the website to confirm that the program was structured and documented and validated that level of trust. And so for me, that structure and that documentation, I think is something that I probably need to highlight more and I can lean into more because to be honest, that is definitely a strength of Kevin and mine is we have our five B's framework, right? Like, We've got to be one of the only podcasts out there who planned our first 100 episodes before we even started to share step-by-step what marketers need to do to implement our framework. So that's a real strength of ours is that structure. And so that's something that really should be reflected on our website. So that's then confirmed in the mind of the potential customer. I think so. The point, like as you'll get down to the next stage, I break things down into typically into research and evaluation. So like marketing, sales, 
and where that line is based on that business's structure, it'll move, right? Some are more marketing-led, some are more sales-led, doesn't really matter. That whole spectrum of that marketing sales line of questioning is all about how are they determining that you're credible and trustworthy, really, at the end of the day. You know, the channels um, are important. Yeah, LinkedIn over Twitter. I like newsletters over blogs. Sure. What is it they actually want? What is the information they need to actually spend their money on you? That's the part that's really important, that part, like when you're interviewing people. For me, anyway, that's that's how I look at it. So uh, finally, then we went through experience and outcomes. And, you know, what what was it like going through your program? Um you know, what, I think this is the quick wins one, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure there's another one down there. Um, but, you know, what did she like about it? All the framework uh, documents are easy to access and link together. She liked the forcing function of cohort and weekly classes, which I've heard that before about your type of business model, right? Like there's someone there making, teacher's going to wrap me on the knuckles if I'm not there, right, in <laughs> class by a week. Because we get busy and she talked about how busy she was. So yeah. it's easy to push it aside, Right. So yeah. that was important to her. Um, now she has that she has that turnkey framework that she needed to share with that junior team why we're doing those things all there. So she doesn't have to keep explaining it over and over again and then sort of re-communicating it, like filtering what you say, then going to the team and having the meeting and explaining why they're doing this step now and then going back and listening to your next podcast and then going back and refilter, right? Like that just it pulls that out. That's that's the progress. That's the job to be done that she wanted to make, right? Like having that structure in place to go ahead. And then now she has um, um, more clarity because of what her work with you around her messaging and target customer executive. That's if I recall, that's what I wrote there. And then she have her quote here. Instead of just all just being here in my head, what she talked about and in scattered documents that she sort of knows but didn't have any sort of framework for it. Now it's all in one place. I just put it in the machine. The rest of the business is sort of on board. And now she she's eased that anxiety of just being all over the place trying to figure out what to do next. This is unreal. I got to say, Ryan, like it's just brought so much color to a lot of things that I suspected. And look, I am probably closer to my customers and to our listeners than most businesses. Like I speak to at least a couple of them over Zoom a week. So I, mm. I know them pretty well, but still going through this exercise has just brought so much extra color to this and having the pull quote so I can use the voice of the customer um, to have an expert like you actually keep poking and prodding to get yeah. uh, the depth of the answers that I think are required to draw these insights has just been hugely valuable. Yeah, it's I've never not had someone have that experience um, to date since I started doing research full-time for people. That's always the, the experience. And it's funny, it's always the two things you talked about, which is it validates a lot of stuff you already knew but there's always a ton of aha moments because you are being close to the customer is actually there's a, there's a benefit, but there's a, it creates a bias because you start to just sort of see the trees and not the forest. And you, it's hard for you to step back and have that holistic view because your energy is focused on many other things than understanding that broader view of what brought Monica there. You're focused more on sort of like building pipeline, uh, making sure the experience is good, 
Like all those things as a business owner, sometimes even as a marketer, like the day-to-day tactical stuff rather than being able to step back. So a process like this really helps sort of weed that out. Yeah, it's so good. And I think maybe in the same way that um, when people go through the B2B incubator, they feel that relief that things are documented. I feel relieved now that this document is here. And I know it's a sample size of one. (laughs) I know we're going to get a bigger sample size, but it's so good now to just have this document here and something that I can keep referring back to and look we've sent this on to jess cook now he's going to do our landing page and copywriting and how easy was that like i just sent it off to her and she's gone through and she's making a whole lot of edits to our landing page based on this customer interview yeah we messaged each other and i said i was pretty excited to see what she comes up with (laughs) oh passing the buck to the next one Well, you know, no, setting up for success, setting up for success, setting up for success. That's right. Ryan, this has been hugely valuable. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise, for taking the time to interview Monica, for teaching myself and everyone else watching and listening. Um, And look, we've already pointed out that a number of times that if people need to get this work done for themselves, they've got to go to you, contentlift.io. Ryan is the master. Definitely go and check it out. Yeah, thanks, George. This is this is a lot of fun. This is the most fun I've had in a few years now doing marketing. So I'm really excited to see how it all turns out. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate your time. All right. A huge thanks to Ryan for getting those insights. Make sure you check out that full interview with Monica and Ryan so you can see how the master does it. That'll be linked here in the video or below in the comments. Next, we're taking these insights and handing them off to Jess Cook, our landing page and copywriting expert to help us with the next part of this campaign. We're releasing these videos as we create them, so make sure that you like and subscribe to follow the journey. Catch you for the next one. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.